Welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, bringing you honest talk, even when it bites. Now on 77 WABC, here are your hosts, Alex Alexanian and Brenda Bush. Welcome, welcome, welcome at 6 a.m. in New York East Coast, obviously. Welcome, Brenda. Welcome back, folks. And uh, welcome to the one hour a week. Out of the 168 hours that there is in a week, the one hour a week we de- where we don't talk about ourselves, where the station turns its, its, its attention away from human things and talks about animals. It talks about our friends that live with us. We talk about an alien species. That's what this show's about. It's called the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour because lots and lots of dogs are in danger. But we're not going to talk about dogs that are in danger this week. We're going to be talking about the ones that are at home but have to be walked with leashes on. All dogs have to be walked with leashes on in New York and most places. And we're going to talk about leash laws. Should they be there? Boring on its face, but, you know, no, no, what's, it's good a really interesting what, what's good about them, what's not good about them, how freely should the city dogs roam? Yeah, I have it. my own perspective, as yeah, you well Yeah, we argue know. this. We, we debate this one a lot at home. So we're just sort of bringing the, the uh, dinner table conversation into the studio today. <laughs> yeah, it, it's fascinating that nobody's ever asked a dog how they feel about being walked, you know, on a leash constantly, spending their life, spending their life at the end of a three, you know, three foot. If you did that to a human being, you'd be called, I mean, I mean, everything from, you know, abusive to a monster. But we do it to our dogs every single day. We love our dogs and nobody even thinks about what is the dog feeling about this? I have my own perspective. We have a couple of great guests that are going to be here to talk about it. It's somewhat theoretical, but it's really real life to the dog. Mm -hmm. But before we get into the subject of du jour, let's talk about a couple of really big news items that have come across the newswire. On the animal front, and that is one of them is what happened in Japan, or at least in the in the southern Arctic. We are Sea Shepherd fans, for those that uh, haven't been following us and don't know that. Oh, yeah, we've been following that, and, and we are a huge fan of Paul Watson and this Sea Shepherd founder uh, and, and his uh, society. Anyway, so the, what's the big news? The big news is the Japanese, last week, the government of Japan decided to pull back their annual whale hunt, okay? This is the first time this has happened because the Sea Shepherd guys have been going after them for years. If anybody watched the show on Animal Planet, I mean, they do all sorts of nasty stuff to them in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the oceans. These people are just amazing. And the Japanese gave up this week. They folded, they took their fleet and ordered it back. This is the first time they did that, right? Ever in history that we know of anyway. Do we know, I mean, I don't know when the... um the end of the season normally is. Do you know that? There was another two and a half weeks to go, and Japanese uh, fisheries minister Michiko Kano held a news conference abruptly last week, and he said, and I quote, we had no choice but to end the season to ensure the safety of lives, assets, and our ships. So uh, to which Sea Shepherd founder um, Paul Watson replied that it's a milestone of cutting the Japanese hunt short was made possible by beefing up the protesters' equipment and strategy. So we're going to show. I mean, we're going to see in the new season coming up what he's talking, what Paul is talking about, because they beefed up the prote- protesters' equipment and strategy. So we're going to see what they did, but it was definitely effective. Amazing. The fleet turned tail, being chased by the three little ships that this guy has. Okay, so you know what? Not only am I happy about what they did. And not only am I happy about the Japanese finally giving up this scummy little practice of theirs, but what I'm really proud of is that here's a guy that did something, that stopped something, that put his, you know, what's on the line, and it worked out. He actually got it done, got the job done. How many people can say I know that in where this you're going. I know where you're going with this, but, you know, he did have a targeted fleet 
of what is it? Eight ships? How how, how oh, big no, is this it, fleet that they're after? Three ships. He just had three ships. He just had three small ships. The Japanese had just, two gigantic. It's a big ocean, Alex. Yeah. But listen, these ships are tiny, okay? And one of them got cut in half last season, if anybody watched Yeah, that it. was that was dr- very dramatic. Thankfully, no one got seriously yeah, injured. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, so we're really excited that this, these guys pulled it off. But we're just really happy that a guy like Paul Watson exists out there and he can get something yeah. done. Why can't you come over here and help us with the animal problem that we have here? Okay, we're uh, Paul. By the way, dogs need a Paul Watson. Yeah, if you're listening on your whatever radio in the middle of the ocean, Paul, we're still killing. Throughout history, activism like that has worked to change paradigm. But what are they going to target? I don't know what they're going to target. All I know is it's not functioning here, and somebody needs to fix it. We don't have a lot of time. I have one more news item, Brenda, that I want to cover, and that's the Oreos law update in New York. Um, I don't for those wanna... who don't know, Oreo's law is um, is a, a bill that's before the New York State Legislature that would require all municipal animal control shelters to transfer any animal in their care that's scheduled to be killed, transfer it to a nonprofit animal protection organization if that organization wants to yeah, take basic, responsibility. Basically, it. in short, if you're going to be killed, if you're a shelter and you're going to kill the dog and somebody comes out, you know, an organization comes out, a 501c3, and says, I, I, I'll take care of the dog, you have to give it to them. You can't just kill them. Right now, they just go and kill them anyway. So bottom line, uh, this bill that's been just such a, you know. It was proposed last year and it was very controversial and very, we've been following and it, it all along. It failed. It, it failed. got tabled. So we call that failure because it didn't pass, but it yeah, was tabled. It failed. It, failed. it was you know, tabled. Tabling mm-hmm. is another way of killing a bill. Come on. Uh, but but anyway, there is now two bills in the Senate. It's been reintroduced in the House, a New York State Assembly, that is. And there's two bills now. There's a, there is a contradictory bill that's been introduced, which is kind of like it's got lots of good stuff in it from what I understand, but uh, it's missing the Oreos low part. So now there's two groups trying to get that one through. Uh, trying to actually mend the two together into one good bill that everybody can Well, there's back. some great models out there, and Delaware has one. So, I, you know, I, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Um, I don't know. All I know is that I was, I was not happy back in whatever it was, August or something, when the, the, the bill failed in, Last in year. committee. It was yeah. very disappointing. It was very, yeah. very disappointing. I mean, how logical is that? Think about it. Just think about it for a second, okay? You're going to kill a dog, and an organization comes out of the woodwork like Pets Alive or something and says, you know what? We'll fund it. We'll take the dog. We'll keep him, and we'll feed him, and then we'll find an owner for it. And you go and kill the dog anyway. And that's legal? What well, are right we now doing? it's legal, but that's what that's what's up for debate before the New York legislature right now. So anyway, now we'll keep I got you posted my rant on that. Out of the way here, Mark Levin, be careful. I'm <laughs> yeah, Alex's rant. <laughs> anyway, Start a blog. This is not the place for it. Anyway, so we're going to cut off the commercial, and when we come back, we're going to introduce our first guest, Bob Marino. Awesome guy. I'm Brenda Bush, co-founder of Dogs in Danger. For those of us who live with these special creatures. We understand that they're so much more than just dogs. They're faithful companions to the end. They remind us every day that life is precious and brief, full of fleeting joys and missed opportunities. Each year in this country, millions of homeless dogs are killed in shelters. There is a better way, and Dogs in Danger is working to get us there. It's the last chance for these dogs. Dogs in Danger makes it personal, with names and faces of dogs on death row, and brings us all face-to-face with a painful reality. More than 45,000 dogs have been saved with the assistance of Dogs in Danger, but we still have a long way to go. So please, open your heart and wallet to one of the thousands of dogs waiting for a second chance at life. Visit DogsInDanger.com and click Donate to help us stop the needless killing of our best friends. Do it now before they run out of time. 
Pets bring unconditional love into our lives every day. That's just one reason Best Friends Animal Society believes that every pet deserves a loving home. Best Friends runs the nation's largest sanctuary for homeless animals, but they do so much more. From helping community cats and delivering animals from overcrowded shelters and puppy mills to brand new lives, Best Friends and their members are saving animals from coast to coast every day. They're working with you and with humane groups all across the country to bring about a time when there are no more homeless pets. Join them. Becoming a Best Friends member is easy. Just visit them online at bestfriends.org and make a donation of any amount. With a gift of $25 or more, you'll receive a subscription to Best Friends Magazine. Your contribution to Best Friends Animal Society will support their life-saving work and help animals both at the sanctuary and around the country. Together, we can bring about a time when there are no more homeless pets. To learn more and become a member today, visit bestfriends.org. Barkable Radio, the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Welcome back. We're on the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, and we are talking about leash laws. And our first guest is Bob Marino, who's president of the New York Council of Dog Owner Groups. Are you there, Bob? Yes, indeed. Good, Good morning. morning, Bob. Good morning. So Good are, morning. are your dogs up yet? Uh, my dog is sitting here looking at me saying, why in the world are you up? Yeah, I get that look from my dogs every Sunday morning at 3.30 a.m. when I, my alarm goes I off. I get that look when I look in the mirror in the morning. <laughs> I can't see in the mirror in the morning, so we're, we're all on the There we go. Table. All right. Uh, so, uh, so thanks for joining us today. Um, most urban areas have blanket thou shalt not. I mean, thou shalt leash your dog, right? Yes. So, um, so can you tell us why that exists? It is the philosophy, and to a great extent, it's a proper thing that when you're uh, in public in a confined area with a lot of people, uh, a lot of activity, be it cars, uh, mass transit buses and the like, it's, it's only proper that your dog be under maximal control while still being free uh, to walk uh, with some ease. So uh, leash laws exist uh, in New York. Uh, except for the limited off-leash we have in the city, uh, you have to have your dog on a six-foot or shorter leash uh, when in public. So, Bob, let me, this is Alex, obviously. Um, I don't understand this. Uh, we know that dogs can behave in erratic ways, okay? We, we know that they do weird things at weird times, okay? And that's why they're called. They're dogs, and they're not us. Um, what I don't get is that there are dogs that behave not in erratic ways, in very predictable ways, okay? And it seems like we're punishing all of them. And it seems like we're punishing the, the, the great majority of them, the sins of the few, possibly. Isn't there a better way than this blanket licensing thing that we've come up with? Well, uh, what we've done in New York, uh, we're the largest uh, uh, urban area in the world that has off-leash places. Before, from 9 o'clock at night until 9 o'clock in the morning, in 89 of the parks, which includes Central and Prospect, uh, the larger parks, dogs can be off-leash in limited areas. And it works exceedingly well. Uh, as a matter of fact, we fought this battle uh, in the courts with the Parks Department on our side. We were part of a, a lawsuit together in uh, 2006. And in 2007, after studies, and you bring up a great point, after studies, the Health Department voted unanimously to institute these off-leash times uh, so that uh, urban dogs can get 
off-leash socialization and play uh, in limited areas. So, uh, and these, and just just so so people understand that those aren't just fenced dog parks, right? These are city parks who don't that don't have specific fenced-in areas where they allow um, off-leash time for dogs at certain times of the day. Uh, that's correct. Uh, there are 89 of the 1,800 or so parks in the city of full parks have off-leash. Uh, areas and times, and 51 parks and more every day have fenced-in uh, dog runs. We call them dog parks because they're no longer just uh, paved over uh, fenced-in areas. But um, the what is what actually showed, and it was a very careful study, is that uh, the policy had been in effect for 20 years unofficially. Uh, thanks to Parks Commissioner Henry Stern uh, enacting it many years prior. Uh, in that period of time, from 1998 in New York, in 1998 we had 6,568 dog, uh, reported dog bites. And, um, and by 2010, the dog bites are down to 3,609 dog bites. So the dog bites are down 45%. From ninety eight to two thousand. Wait, 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 Bob! I, I got even a better statistic for you. Okay, I, I got a way that you could bring it down to zero. Okay, eliminate all dogs. Uh, a lot of uh, some people would like to do that. If we eliminate all dogs, then you have no dog bites. If you eliminate there all you people, go. you have no killings. And uh, if we eliminate all, all cars, cars, you there have won't no... be traffic deaths. There you go. Do you see what I'm saying? How illogical this! I have a really nice little dog, right? And he bothers no one. He's really not interested in other dogs all that much. And you know, he, he wants to stick with me when I walk and stuff like. He's, you can totally trust. I can totally trust my dog. Okay, that's my decision that I'm making of my own as an independent being. Why does my dog have to be punished by walking his entire life? His entire existence at the end of a six-foot leash. We have to get you in in New York and in the parks and the off-leash times. Um, it uh, in many instances, you know, it's just it's proper safety, in my opinion, when you're on the sidewalks, which can be very very busy, and easy distractions. A loud noise can uh, frighten a dog and chase it into the street where it could be killed. Um, it could if. If you're approaching somebody who does not like dogs or has a fear of dogs, uh, seeing a dog off the leash walking in that tight environment where they're passing you within inches, that may be frightening to the uh, to the individual, even though your dog is perfectly safe. Uh, my dog uh, is a rescued Akita, and if she saw you on the street, uh, a 150-pound dog, she would walk up to you and say hello. I mean, that is her nature, and it's wonderful. But I also have to respect that if a 150-pound dog walked up to an individual who was frightened or just didn't want the dog to approach them, that having the dog on leash in that situation keeps uh, keeps everybody happy. It keeps, I mean, it was designed to keep the public safe and also keep the dogs safe. Yeah, it but, is. But, but, Bob, I got to tell you, you know, you guys did a great job with the health department. Um, they can be a little nutty when it comes to animal issues sometimes. And I congratulate you. But I have to ask you, 9 p.m. to 9 a.m.? Now, like, what dog wants to walk in the middle of the night? Well, we used to have hours in um, Prospect Park where in the winter the parks administrator would adjust the times back to 5 p.m. so that individuals really did not have to be there late. 
Uh, unfortunately, that was lost when the health department went with a blanket edict over the whole city and followed up by um, uh, the official rulemaking. We hope that over time that within these parks that the city will adjust the time to allow for uh, earlier sunsets. Uh, totally agree with it. But, you know, you go to Prospect Park, and uh, let's take uh, Saturdays. The fr- every single Saturday, first Saturday of every month, they have uh, a breakfast park, and they get 500 to 1,000 dogs off-leash in uh, the Long Meadow, and the people have coffee and bagels, and the dog have biscuits. The dogs play. No incidents. And, That's great. And at five, and at about five to nine, the uh, police come by and they just go on the loudspeaker. It's uh, almost nine o'clock, folks, and you hear these crickets, as I call them, the clicking leashes, the leashes. from <laughs> a three-quarter mile uh, meadow, the largest urban meadow in the United States, and people are leashing up. They pick up anything. They pick up litter. And at 9 o'clock, 9.01, that park, those fields are ready for ball players and other people to recreate on those fields, and they're clean. And every day, people go in the parks early to do this. So if you were to walk into Central Park now while the sun is just coming up, there are people in different sections that uh, where their dogs are playing off-leash. Um, the key is responsible and respectful sharing of the parks. We have limited space. So eight, uh, Central Park is 835 acres, mm-hmm. and you get 45 million people a year in the park. You get more people in Central Park than you get in Disney World. Wow. And that is unbelievable. But here's, uh, I'm, in the mornings, I'm a statistics guy. Um, <laughs> here's an interesting one that will help a little bit people understand. It. Dog bites in New York City are approximately 60% average the rate of the rest of the United States. We are much, much lower. We have 1.6 million dogs, or 1.5 to 1.6 million dogs in New York City. And to have those few dog bites, and by the way, some of those dog bites, most of those dog bites are on leash and mm-hmm. in the home. Of course. So, yeah. so in, uh, They're not off-leash dogs in the park who are no. biting strangers, right? No, 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 no. Not at, not at all. We uh, Back in 2004, the last year that it was actually broken out, the health department found that of the dog bites then, only 86 dog bites, 86 for the whole city of almost 375 square miles, took place in parks. Um, well, what, you're making a case for me, Bob. You're making uh, a case for this is. We do it. I mean, what I would like to see, uh, I hope the health department will work with us and work with individuals like yourselves to allow restaurateurs with sidewalk cafes to have the dogs in the outdoor areas at the uh, instruction and the permission of the restaurateur. And we are huge supporters of that. You of missed course. the show we did on that topic, actually, and that was that was quite the show. But, you know, there of course, there are places where it's done, and I'm not going to mention them because I don't want to get them in trouble, um, but it's it's, it's unofficially rare. done, right, But and it's it's not uh, very enforced, but it sure would be nice to have you that know, as an official variance that would know, allow people. You know, Bob, I'm, I'm going to take, um, take a different direction on this sure. uh, for a second. 
Um, I'm going to leave our laws here and talking about our, what our great politicians have, de- have deemed as the, the proper way of living here. And I'm going to talk about other places in the world, okay? Let's talk about a little place called Paris. If anybody's been there, nice little place. It's been around a lot longer than we've been around. People actually live there. Let's look at what their laws are like in Paris. Or let's look at what happens in Athens. Now, the, the Greeks may be out of favor these days with, with their finances, but the French are not totally out yet. If you go into Paris, you know what? You can walk your dog without a leash in Paris, inside of the middle of the city. In the streets w- in the middle in the of the city. In the streets of the city, yeah. you can walk your dog without a leash. You can go to an outside restaurant and have your dog sit next to you. It's personal responsibility. I spent. I was fortunate enough to spend a month in Paris last year. I did not see one incidence yeah. of a dog a running of here. And we saw hundreds of dogs just walking around with their with their people right next to them. So what is going on in it this country, It was amazing Bob? how well-behaved those dogs yeah. were. What is going on in this they country? They were so well-socialized. This government all over us. I mean, just like a cheap wet In case blanket. you hadn't noticed, Alex is, is advocating um, no leash laws. <laughs> Right. Well, I'm advocating <laughs> personal responsibility. Right. We can say it like in you unison. do for a two-year-old when you walk down the street with your two-year-old. You don't have to have your two-year-old on a on on a uh, you know in a stroller or holding their hand. But if something happens to that two-year-old, you're responsible. I'm a child of the '50s. I was on one of those silly leashes on the back of the you know that wrapped around and was on your back. And right, right. they still have those. those. Oh, please! <laughs> but uh, you know, like you, I, I certainly appreciate uh, Paris. Um, I guess, you know, all cities, all environments, all urban, rural areas uh, are compromised. Our system tends to be a little more codified than uh, than the Parisian system, at least when it comes to uh, to dogs, uh, and certainly when it comes to driving. If you drove in Paris at that time uh, when you were there, you'd know how crazy they drive. They make us look good. <laughs> but the the reality is is that... Uh, different environments call for uh, different applications of rules. This is a compromise. Uh, you know, New York, uh, Manhattan, at least, is certainly more crowded um, than uh, than Paris and most of Paris. Uh, the rest of the city is a little less so, ironically. But we uh, we have to make certain compromises. But uh, these laws can be looked at over time and uh, individual to be adjusted now you know a nice dog which is what we call ourselves you know we're the united nations of dog owner groups and we're not we're all volunteers we're all dog owners we're city people and like uh, it uh, we we go in and we advocate for the things like the dogs being allowed in restaurants and if it were frankly if it were up to me i would allow a dog on leash in a pub or uh, a bar if the uh, if the restaurant tour allowed it but that's a personal preference, and I appreciate that other people feel otherwise. You know, respectful and responsible dog ownership, uh, as with parenting, it's a compromise. Uh, you know, if, if I'm, I have a child with me who's crying, I will leave a restaurant or I will leave a room and quiet the child down out of respect for the indi- other individuals. Well, you don't so, muzzle the child, right? That would be inhuman, correct? Uh, that would be inhuman. Okay. I'm not advocating Muslim children. <laughs> but when it comes to a dog, you know, a guy says, I'm sitting over it's here about- and I don't... Uh, I don't like that dog over there. Immediately, you know, you're codified. Oh, you're you're a pest. Get rid of it. You know, just because one guy doesn't like a dog, there's 50 people behind that one guy that do like the dog. What about that 50? 
Well, that, they could have separate areas like they did in right. smoking you know, when smoking was still allowed in restaurants where you had that, a designated dog area and a designated non-dog area. Uh, you know what? And, you know, Paris, you know, Paris, you can you you can walk your dog without a leash, but you That's can't right. just have walks walk, you know, dogs walking around the street when they're, you know, uh, abandoned dogs. In a city like Athens, they they go even further, okay? They go even further. There, the dogs can be, can walk around abandoned dogs. Nobody comes and picks them up. And street you'll dogs. See street dogs. You'll mm-hmm. see 50 dogs in the center of Athens, the main, main square, okay? Times Square of Athens, which is not a small city, okay? No. You'll see a pack of 20 dogs walking around. No cars hit the dogs. The dogs are very peaceful. No dog bites happen. Now, I'm not saying, I am not saying that we should be following the Athenian model, but I am saying the Parisian model looks pretty damn good to me. It works, but, you know, I was on the phone uh, on, uh, last night with uh, friends in Italy who do dog rescue. And there's a problem in Italy, and they just had to pass some laws in the last uh, five years, uh, where many people would go on holiday. And as you know, August is the big holiday month. And unfortunately, the culture allowed, and I'm Italian-American, so I'm saying this here, but the culture allowed that people would just dump their dogs when they left. Yeah. And there were... <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of abandoned dogs fending for themselves in the streets and the countryside, and it, it's intolerable. So I know you're not advocating that. Oh, absolutely you not. Know. Absolutely uh, not. What I saw he just Athens. wants to walk down the streets of Manhattan with his dog off leash. That's Bob, really let's where see he's what, going. What, we have Jamie holding on the line for a while. Oh, Jamie's gone. I just heard that Jamie just left because ah. it was too long being held. So there you go, Bob. <laughs> well, I talk a, a little long. No, I think that was the host's responsibility to pick up the call and not yours, so don't you worry okay. about that. <laughs> I, pick up dog, I pick up dog mess. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, the, the fact of the matter is most people just don't have the kind of control, verbal control over their dogs, um, you know, to keep them safe and to keep the public safe, too. I think it's more about keeping the dogs safe. And I think it has a lot to do with what, what this country has become. As you said, it's become just this codified sort of this rulemaking machinery that takes away all individual responsibility and, you know, nails you with liability lawsuits. And, I mean, what is It's transformed the country, and everybody pays a price. You just don't know you're paying a price. The dog knows he's paying a price, but he doesn't know why because he can't figure any of this out. He just knows he's got a leash around his neck for the rest of his life. And you know that you're living in a box, but you don't really know why you're in the damn box. But you're in the box, okay? So anyway, that's my position on this thing. Well, you that's, know what? Well, I'm 100 percent supportive of leash laws, but I also believe that dogs desperately need exercise and playtime and off-leash areas to run. You know, I, I grew up in upstate New York, and there was no such thing as leash laws. And you would open the door in the morning, and the dog would go out, and the dog would come back when the dog felt like coming back. You but know, where, in a, where in upstate <laughs> was it? An urban area or rural upstate New York? Outside of Ithaca. Now, beautiful, one of the most beautiful areas in the country. It's gorgeous up there. Yeah, um, it is. I so, did my undergrad at Syracuse, and their dogs were on leash in the city of Syracuse, but a lot of people in the outskirts of Syracuse did exactly what you did. Yeah. There you go. Steve, you know, uh, Bob, uh, we're going to have to take off because uh, we have network break coming up, and then we're going to be introducing our next guest, Steve Diller, who's going to bring a totally d- different perspective. But, Bob, that you were a great guest. Thank you for joining us this early in the morning. I thank you. And when you're ready to talk about restaurants again, I'll be back. All right. Hey, you're the man. Take care. Thank we'll be right you. back. Be well. When we first started thinking about dogs in danger, we had one overriding thought. Millions of innocent dogs were being killed in shelters each year in this country. And we realized there was no way for the public to know which dogs were going to die and when. That's when the light bulb went on. So we created DogsInDanger.com, where every dog gets a last chance at life. The good public embraced the idea 
and more than 45,000 dogs are alive today, bringing joy to families everywhere. In today's economy, it's hard for anyone to part with their money. But Dogs in Danger needs your help to keep saving lives. If you believe, like we do, that needless killing is morally wrong, then do something about it. Please go to dogsindanger.com and make a tax-deductible donation. Just $18 a month will help us continue our life-saving mission. Donate to dogsindanger.com and do something good for your soul. Gain a body, save a life. Dogsindanger.com I'm not afraid. I'm Norman Seabrook, president of the New York City Correction Officers Benevolent Association. The mayor of the city of New York, Michael R. Bloomberg, has declared war on municipal workers, including correction officers and their families. His position is that we should work until we're 65 years old before we collect the pension. His position is that we should lose all the benefits that we negotiated and earned the old-fashioned way. That is unacceptable to us. He's also going to destroy the private sector. If we have to work until we're 65, you have to work until you're 85. You have to give up and surrender some of the benefits that our families depend on. Municipal workers in this city built this city, built this state, built this country. It's Wisconsin today. It's Ohio today. It's New Jersey today. It's us tomorrow. We are not your bailout package or your stimulus package. Mayor, we demand to be treated equally with dignity and respect. Not just today, every day. I'm not afraid. Throw your dog a bone. Let him listen to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Back to Alex and Brenda. Wow, talk about a subject that gets my non-existent Irish up, since I'm not even close to Irish. Okay, This is one of them, as you can see, my tone and voice. And I'm going to bring in our next guest, Steve Diller, my good friend Steve, who's been waiting on the phone. Hey, Steve, are you there? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Morning, I'm Steve. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank Steve you. is animal expert, behaviorist, and author of a couple of books, Dogs and Their People being one of them. We have a link to that on our website. So, so Steve, uh, did you have... Um, a couple of cups of coffee, or is this your regular time in the morning? <laughs> well, you know, it is a bit early. Uh, the coffee's brewing as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were going to drag you into the studio, but then we were kind of like, Steve's a good guy. Let's not, you know, <laughs> let's not abuse him. Your dogs look at you doing. like you're crazy, too, when you wake them up. My, do not, my dogs don't like to be woken up in the morning. Well, I mean, we've got a bunch of them, so some of them sort of prefer to wake up early, and the others can't stand it, but, you know, we work it out somehow. <laughs> our, our number on the air is one 800 848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. What do you think about this? We may have a chance to get a phone call in there when our discussion with Steve. What do you think about leash laws in New York and these poor animals being stuck to the end of a leash for the rest of their life? And going but right how do into, you really feel about it, Alex? Yeah, how do I really feel about it? Um, hey, Steve. Yeah. So are there dogs? Now, you are a world-renowned expert in, in animal training. So tell me, are there dogs that can be completely trusted under voice control of their owners? Well, let me, uh, let me share. Better answer right. Uh, <laughs> I have the button. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. It, it's like this. Um, there are so many that what appear to be reliable dogs when they're off the leash, and they really tend to respect their owner's voice and return when they're called. But I have a friend who's a police officer. His dog is highly trained, highly trained, trained every day, uh, in-service training every month. And he was out in the woods one day to try to find a lost kid, and his dog saw a deer. And guess what? Mm -hmm. You know, vamoose real quick. And uh, 
I mean, that dog took off, and he was carrying on, you know, come, come, no, come, and the dog sort of was, uh, sorry, Dad, you know, we've just got a little work to tend to here. I've seen that look in my dog's eyes so many times. Yeah, and you know what? It's not abnormal for the dog to hit the road that way, and the dog did come back about 15 minutes later. He didn't have to find the dog. The dog found his way back, and he had a smile on his face. So... The dogs in general have to have that fulfillment. The dogs that go out a lot off the leash and get to chase in the woods and have that fun, they're more likely to come back when you call them. But the dogs that hardly ever get off the leash, when they have that moment, they're taking it. Freedom. Yeah, freedom, exactly. Mm -hmm. A taste of freedom. And they don't want to come back that It's not that they're running away. They just need to sort of sow their oats for a minute there Mm -hmm. and... It's those dogs that do best, believe it or not, and yet people are so afraid to take them off the leash, and I understand that. It's our job to keep them safe. But if you never cut them loose, when you try it one time, you better be ready to sit on a bench and wait a couple of hours before the dog is prepared to come. And hope that nothing bad happens to the dog during that time. So maybe that's the answer. Because, Steve, you know, what's perplexing is that in, in all scientific research, when you really don't know the answer to a question, you do test research, right? You take a little microscope and you look at a little Petri dish and you figure out what the cells are doing in there. And then you apply that to the whole body, right? Sort of, uh, uh, extrapolate, right? And so we have a little Petri dish. It's called Paris, France. And in Paris, France, like we talked about, and many other cities, but I'm saying Paris because I spent a month there. Um, in Paris, France, dogs are allowed to walk with, you know, without a leash, and they're allowed to go to outdoor restaurants without a leash, and it works. Okay, dog bites aren't any higher than any place else. Uh, dog deaths on the roads, uh, you know, roadkill is not any higher. So it works in Paris, and you're telling me it wouldn't work in New York. Now, how is that? Well. I don't know what the traffic situation is in Paris. and uh, It's not a small city. Right. But I think that, you know, it, just to my own experience, uh, Europeans do tend to have some better dog savvy in many ways. I mean, they do tend to treat the dog with more respect, I think, than we do here. Um, mm. Well, a lot of it is He's a lot of it, a nice but a, a lot of it is it, what Steve was saying earlier is that these dogs, you know, if you if you have a dog that's never ever ever off leash, that one time that you do take it off in an off leash environment, He's there's a much greater bolt. likelihood yeah. that they're going to bolt. Whereas, you know, if the dog is raised that way from birth, right, they become much more socialized. They become not only with people but with other dogs. Is that, is that true, Steve? Well, that is true, and plus you're imprinting just as uh, Skinner did with the ducks. You get a puppy, and, you, and the, the bottom line is, I'm going that way, bud. What are you doing? And, and you'll find that those puppies always follow their owners. And if that's what they learn from the beginning without the, the leash, because the, you know, the leash doesn't necessarily make it your dog. So when you take the leash off, if the dog stays, that's what makes it your dog. Right. So that relationship has to include fulfillment for the dog. I have right, Siberian Huskies, right. so let's not go there, okay? <laughs> no, no, but, but what he's saying is true. Fulfillment for the dog. Did you hear those words? Yes. Does anybody ever well, think and, about but that's, that? But, but if you take that to its logical extreme, there are a lot of people who would say that um, if you really believe a dog should never be unleashed, then why are you keeping them prisoner as pets to begin with? Oh, wait, so my you have dog, to, wait, wait, let me get something straight I here. know. You take the leash okay. off, he's not leaving you. I got Not that. only that, but my dog likes hanging out with me. If you say to my dog, get out, go search and find some animal, he's not interested. He's right. interested in spending his life with me. 
That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to hear that, that you know, I, I'm whatever, abusing my dog because I'm keeping him as a pet. That's the PETA perspective. I totally don't buy it. Right. Well, let, let me go back to the Siberian for one quick second. I saw a film of Susan Butcher once. She was uh, she won the Iditarod a couple of times. And what she did was she took a bunch of husky puppies out, and she got on a snowmobile, and she just started to drive. I've heard that methodology. And that all those puppies are chasing after her. Now, it's always good to be in front because then they'll be chasing after you. Right. And when, it's, when we talk about husky puppies, you better have a snowmobile. Otherwise, you'll never be in front. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there are ways to accomplish that, I guess. It wasn't about the leash. No leash. Just a bunch of puppies chasing after her because that's what puppies do. And if you can maintain that I'm in front and don't you guys want to come with me, uh, probably going to work out pretty well. But if you don't, if you don't give them those chances to do and to have the responsibility of paying attention to where you are, they're never going to take to that, you see. And, and I don't go for the, the, the sled dogs and the hounds can't possibly cut, be cut off the leash. The, the, the dogs that are allowed off are the dogs that come back. And you can't hunt a pack of beagles on a leash. You've got to cut them loose. And if you go out with 10, you'll come back with 10. Right. Because they, and the tired, happy 10. Right. But if, if you just try and grab a beagle and say, we're going hunting, pal, and, and this dog's never been off the leash, just prepare yourself. I hope he's got a tattoo and a microchip because you know, he's not coming back anytime soon. Right, 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 right. I, I mean... You know, I um, I lived in Tribeca for a very long time in my life, and um, there's a very famous actress that lives um, in the neighborhood, right, actually right across the there street. There are a from few, but this is one there's, in particular he's talking about, right? But, yeah, this very famous, very well-known actress, okay? Not going to mention her name. I was going to, Brenda, put the kibosh on that. So anyway, she absolutely refuses to put the leash on her dog, Okay. Every single day, twice a day, she walks her dog in the, you know, in the streets of Tribeca, mm-hmm. um, and she does not put a leash on. A big, okay. very well-mannered yellow, uh, I mean, golden uh, lab. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have never seen her have any problems with the dog. And she mm-hmm. just you know, feels like I do, that this is just an overly obtrusive government just trying to make, you know, take charge of our lives more and more. Well, if people don't think laws are fair, they don't follow them. I mean, that's just, that, that's the way it goes. There's the same thing with seatbelt laws. I mean, they're there for right. safety, but I know plenty of people, even some in this studio, who I won't name, uh, who choose not to wear their seatbelt because they think it's an unfair law. So I think it, it goes along those lines. I'll never forget the first time I saw this dog in the street, and the dog was about 10 feet in front of the owner, and I saw the dog crossing the street, and I went, <gasps> Because that instinct in me of, oh, my God, there's a dog off leash. And, and you and, know, the reason I bring her up is because, okay, a guy walks with the, the dog off leash. Okay, that's, you know, kind of a surprise because it doesn't happen very much. But a very, very famous actress in the streets of draws Manhattan. attention, mm-hmm. okay? Right. People notice her face and they go, oh, look, it's so-and-so. And she's still right. walking with the dog off leash, okay? That means that she feels, as, as I do, that, you know what, enough of this government all over us, for God's sakes, you know? And but the I've thing never is, seen dogs are controlled by instinct, right? Not, not, not by dogs. reason. Yeah, but... And even, you could be the most diligent owner in the world, it only takes one time for that dog to be wait, dead in the see, street. What about personal responsibility? What about, you say, your dog gets into trouble, you're in trouble. Then you decide, you put the leash on or not. <sighs> Well, you know, I think it's more about the dog. I don't worry about the, the police coming over and giving me a ticket for, for the leash law. In fact, well, in my particular case, of course, I mean, this is what I do every day. And so if I ask my dog to come to my side and heal, 
then my dog will probably be a lot closer to my leg with no leash than somebody whose dog is at the end of the six feet leash dragging him down the road. Right. So it is all about the, that relationship, the responsibility, a little bit of training. And if you can convince your dog uh, being somewhere near you is the best place in the world to be, then you're pretty safe. But the problem is sometimes we can't compete with their instinctive there, rewards. Yeah, that is so I have true. nothing to offer. There are times when I look in, you know, I have a big fenced in yard so my dogs can play freely, run and roam and play. And, and I do take them to fenced dog areas. I don't take my dogs to off leash because they're not trustworthy off leash and I respect that. <clears throat> but I, I have so many times seen that look in my dog's eye where I can tell, you know, I'm offering them the best thing I can possibly offer them. And they look at me like, no, it's not good enough. Yeah, it's sometimes it's hard to please them. Isn't that true? But, but you know, again, I go back to my, my original question, Steve, which is what if you just turned the law upside down? Let's just say, just, just, you know, you and me, you're running the Senate, I'm running the Assembly just now, okay, for the next 10 minutes. Uh-huh. And I decide that we decide together that we're going to get rid of this law, okay? No requirement of a leash. And what we're going to say is you make the decision as the dog's owner. If the dog gets into trouble, you're in trouble. You have liability problems. You know, you're going to have the lawyers coming after you. You're going to have personal liability issues. Um, You know, you're going to have emotional issues because your dog is possibly dead, you know, hit by a car, blah, blah, blah. It's your problem, though. The police are going to come after you. The DA is going to come after you and your emotional, you know, know, your guts are going to be taken out of you if the dog is hurt. So, um, but it's your decision. It's your decision. If you want to walk the dog without a leash, it's your decision. Now, what's wrong with giving people the ability to, to basically gauge their dog and make a decision? My dog, as Brenda just said, her dogs are not trustworthy enough. She will never, even if you change the law, okay, you change it and you say anybody can do anything they want. She's never, ever, one minute of her life, ever have I seen her have one of the dogs without a leash. Never will happen, okay? Not I, on yet. the other hand, will do it every single day because I know my dog. But, What's wrong? But, yeah, well, there's nothing wrong. But here, you see, what here, this is what we're saying. Brenda knows her dogs well enough to know, can't cut these guys loose. And you know yours well enough to know, I certainly can. And I'm very likely to have a dog that's going to be safe with me. I know my dog. I know my dog's going to hang with me. Now, if we have enough responsible dog owners out there that know their dogs well enough, are honest with themselves, and can basically care for the dog well enough, then I, I'm with you. You know, I'm actually with you. Take the leash off. If, if you can Hallelujah. That, it's for the dog. It's better for Steve's the dog. the man. <laughs> Hallelujah, Steve. But the reality is that, that they're just, there are a lot of not-so-responsible dog owners or those well, who think yeah. that they have the control over their dog but really don't. Okay. Well, I guess, you know what? We're here because that is the truth as well. Right. That, I mean, it's just a matter of facing reality and preventing accidents. Uh, what about the dogs, though, that really are the people and their dogs that are responsible and can have that freedom but aren't allowed because the law says you just can't do it? That's- I know. That's exactly what I mean. You know, how Steve, how sad it is for me because uh, now my dog is kind of old now. But when he was young, he used to just love roaming around in the park and you know, coming back, just playing, you know, just playing. No trouble for anyone. Well, you should have visited some of those and- off-leash uh, hours of the parks that apparently you didn't. Well, yeah, but 9 p.m. to 9 a.m.? Look, dog I'm people are usually up by 6 a.m. No, but you could go in the early morning. You know, when I can't even see my dog, it's 10 o'clock at night, I can't even see where he is. I mean, how moronic is that? 
How moronic is that? I can't even see where my dog is. He's little, you know. Yeah, well, it's, this is a tough look. You, I, I, I'm glad that there are off-leash dog parks. There are not enough of them, and in some and cases, they're under threat all over the country. Unfortunately, they are being threatened, and and sadly, these things, these places are not very well policed by the dog owners themselves. And sometimes we have like. Uh, disease scenarios or fight scenarios in these areas where if you just take your dog outside your building and say, okay, empty, and, you know, the dog can actually run a little bit and you, you follow him around, you clean up as you should. Uh, you know, in a way, Brenda, it's, you know, if the dog can stay on the sidewalk and have a little fun, run back and forth a couple of minutes, you don't have to go marching to the park. Absolutely, absolutely. If the dog, if the dog is responsible and followed by a responsible owner, it probably shouldn't be the mayor's decision. Absolutely. I mean, listen, we no. give a death machine to biggest dummies in the world can get a death machine. It's called a car, by the way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to. No, it's no brain test to get a driver's license, right? You're going to yeah. be the biggest dummy, the guy that failed first grade math. Okay, and you still get the death machine. Yeah. And you're on the roads, and I happen to have a, a few degrees, and, you know, you, we cross paths, and you, your royal dumminess ends up killing me. But that's allowed, right? Because you say, what are we going to do, eliminate cars? No. Eliminate uh, dummies from the roads? It has to be a balance. No, we can't it do has that. to be a balance. But you do this with animals without absolutely any regard to what you're taking away from their lives. If you love them, you love them enough to keep them for their life. You love them enough to keep them in your home, sometimes in their beds. I don't understand why you don't love them enough to consider that you're keeping a virtual prisoner at the end of a piece of rope for the entirety of their lives. Right. Well, that's why you have to visit the off-leash parks. Well, you do, they need the dog one way or another. They so need if, it. If the law, if the law says you may not take the leash off, then it, then it becomes our responsibility to find places where we can take them. Right, off. and there are so few places. And there are so few places. Promoting Even and that. protecting those places right. is great. We 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 even that a- little bit of freedom that we sort of uh, you know the society decides to give the dogs even that little bit of freedom in some places which is pretty tough to find like you said you know we have to drive miles and miles to find one right um even though those yeah. are in danger there's of being a, shut down. There's a big battle going on in San Francisco right now at the Golden Gate National Recreation Area because um, for, for decades people have been allowed to take their dogs uh, to a certain area, uh, to uh, something like 1% of the overall, you know, tens of thousands of acres that they have or however much it is. Um, and so they're battling that right now because they're proposing changing the law and uh, enforcing leash laws. So, um, yeah, these battles are all across the country because there's so few places where you can take your dogs off leash. And I see. the beach? I mean, how come a oh. dog can't run on the beach? Oh. I know. Oh, my God. You know, we went... They, we, have, they, have, they have nudist beaches, right? Yeah. Sections where you know if you go to that part of the beach, that's what you're going to encounter. Well, why not off-leash dog beaches? There's plenty enough beach for everyone else who doesn't want to encounter a dog. At least right. let the people who have you control know, go to those We those went areas. to uh, Provincetown, um, Provincetown in, what is it? Mass, it's Mass, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. In Massachusetts a couple of years ago for vacation. And there they do not have leash laws on the beaches, okay, right on the ocean. You it cannot so imagine the happiness of these animals. And okay? the people. And the yeah. people. Yeah. You cannot imagine. I saw it with my own eyes the happiness of these animals to be allowed to roam around. No accidents. I didn't I, see any problems. No, no problems. I mean, what's wrong with people? They, they only see problems. Well, they know, don't see goodness. Well, you know, we have this is this is well, this is why we work so hard, because it's our job to educate the public when it comes to to dogs. 
I mean, dogs need people to speak for them. And, and you know, well, I'm happy for guys like you who yeah. come out every day and do it because it's a really it's difficult for them. They can't speak for themselves. I know. That's and, why we're here, buddy. And, yep, and, and, and the press is not always on the side of the dog, unfortunately. Right. And dogs, the dogs, they deserve, they're, they're more than worth the, the effort to, uh, I, listen, to what I do my whole life every day is to speak for dogs. And this freedom is a little piece of what they really need on top of so many other needs. Right. But freedom is a huge thing. And however we can give it to them in a safe way, it is imperative that they have that. Now, uh, look, if you have a Pekingese, it can hardly breathe anyway. So it's not <laughs> like it's going to go running miles. But there, many, many breeds of dogs require exercise. Right. And if right. you don't give them appropriate exercise, it comes out in the wash. And then all of a sudden you have behavioral problems. You like they redecorate your house. <laughs> exactly. They will right. figure out a way to fulfill themselves. And it may not be okay with you. Right. Right. So you have to, this, this freedom thing is definitely part of the solution. Well, right. thank you so much for joining us, Steve. We really appreciate it. Steve, we got you to say, take the leash off. And I'm so proud of myself. That was Alex's goal. Yeah, yeah. I got him. <laughs> he said the words, take the leash off. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. He's not I advocating doing that. that in an unsafe way where there no, are leash laws. No, by... no, no, absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. Don't misunderstand. No, no, no. We got it. We're, we're good. We're going to be Thank back, you, Steve. Steve. Thank you. Okay, Thanks for joining us welcome. this morning. And we'll be right back with the Dogs in the Intro. Hey, Brenda. What's the best way for the good folks out there to help their furry friends? Well, they can buy our Dogs in Danger branded T-shirts, mouse pads, and postage stamps. And you know those stamps are real U.S. postal stamps, so you can use them every day. Just think, someone else finding out about this cause each time you send a letter. So please go to dogsindanger.com and buy from our selection of logoed products. Remember, each purchase helps us save a life. That's dogsindanger.com. Right now, thousands of wonderful dogs are in shelters waiting for families. Meanwhile, puppy mills breed tens of thousands of puppies each year to be sold in pet stores or over the Internet for profit. Dogs in puppy mills never feel the touch of a kind hand or grass under their paws. They're forced to have litter after litter to produce puppies for sale in pet stores at high prices. At the same time, many dogs lose their lives in shelters because people choose to buy rather than adopt their pet. Best Friends is working with you and with Humane groups all across the country to bring about a time when every animal has a loving home and there are no more homeless pets. Through their puppy mill incentive, thousands of dogs have been rescued from lives of suffering and have become part of loving families. And you can help save even more. Text the word DOG to 90999 to give $5 to Best Friends Animal Society and help save the life of a puppy mill dog. Together, we can make the dream of no more homeless pets come true. Message and data rates may apply. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Honest talk, even when it bites. On 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. So we have two dogs from the Dogs in Danger website to promote this week uh, in the hopes of giving them a a little uh, extra adoption exposure. And the first one is Prancer a young male terrier at Baldwin Park Animal Care and Control in California. And I know uh, it's early out there in California, but we have a lot of listeners out there on podcast uh, and, uh, and and following us on our uh, Facebook page. So um, Prancer, this is what the shelter has to say about Prancer. He's a goofy two-year-old white male terrier mix who was found in Baldwin Park in extremely matted condition on February 14th, about that Valentine's Day, wow. and brought to the shelter. He weighs 18 pounds. This friendly boy hasn't had much in the way of training and has probably spent a lot of time outside. However, it's medium energy level boy is quite affectionate, loves to be held. He's a handsome boy, will make a wonderful pet. He's quite adorable. He's all white. 
And um, and he's at the Baldwin Park Animal Care and Control uh, Shelter in California, 626-430-2378. And that information is also available on our website, or you can always email us uh, at info at 